What's up, guys? This is Roddy Reviews. Social distancing. Kyle's on the track. He's alive. I'm still here, yo. Never went away. Sorry to say. I'm the baddest man in the game oh, today. <laughs> yeah, um, Kyle's been... We've we just been... It's called... It's 2020. 2020's rough on everyone, guys. Okay, we, 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 we're trying to find the time to do a lot of things, okay? Stop judging us, please. It hurts my feelings. I know, man. It's it's a rough year, but I'm I'm still gonna have fun no matter what. It gives me terrible geese. <laughs> yeah, like that food on the plane. All right, so uh, what are we reviewing today, Kyle? Uh, today we're gonna review Mindhunter, season two specifically, right? Season two, but like we'll give a brief overview of season one. A guy committed a murder. He went to say, jail. Yeah, we haven't actually touched on the the first season, but it's mostly yeah. about season two. But season one, a guy commits murder. FBI agents investigate psychology, the end. <laughs> That's the quickest summary I've ever heard of, but yeah. Oh yeah, so what, what do you, what's, like, how would you describe Mindhunter in your own personal opinion? Um, Fincher-esque at his most, um, oh man, at his most grounded. That's how I would describe it. Just, uh, you know, I, I like how it's a a serial killer type of show without hardly any violence. And it's actually very more, very much informative. And you can actually learn a lot. It just requires uh, some attention. Mm-hmm. And this is what this show has, is attention to detail. I think when it comes to a, this is honestly up there in one of my favorite pieces Fincher has made. In all honesty, oh, yeah. because I just feel like he was able to deconstruct the idea of a crime show. Because I feel like when it comes to crime shows, look, see, we get really terrible ones that everyone seems to love. Uh-huh. CSI, NCIS. Yeah. Well, I think uh, this show is. Um... You know, it's not shying away from, you know, dark the darkness of all of it. Like, we are fascinated by serial killers, um, whether we want to admit it or not. And I think this is, you know how those other shows typically will just portray them in just the, the worst light? As yeah. if they are just these... Horrible. You know, absolute, Sick. Yeah, horrible, hor- which, I mean... Well, they are. The, the things they commit, yeah, they are horrible. But Fincher's going in a different direction with this. I mean, it's... Uh, it's it's not that cliche. It's you know it's actually trying to get at something further within us. I think and, it's like that uh, Zac Efron movie successful. where he plays uh, Ted Bundy. Remember? Oh yeah, what about it? it like it's kind of like that. How like that kind of showed he was a likable guy. Unlike some of these crimes. Oh, yeah, they never showed any of the actual uh, crimes. That he mm-hmm. That's right. And, so I can see that. And I think you see that with here. And in looking back at Fincher's discography, he's not afraid to shy from the violence. Like Alien, uh-huh. Seven, Fight Club. Fight Club, I mean, in of itself, yeah. Gone Girl. Uh, well, I, he's able to tackle such... Janie's got a gun. ...dark material. And, uh, you know, he's always still kind of keeps his, uh, you know, subtle humor about it, too. He helped direct Janie's got a gun? Wow. Yeah, he's done. He's done a lot of great stuff. House of he's, Cards. He's, he's, he well, he's done other serial killers movies before. So I mean, yeah. Seven, 
um, <laughs> even uh, Zodiac. Um, so I think he really knows how to like do. I think he does crime without making it just super what lame. Because I feel like people when it comes I, to crime dramas or crime movies, they are yeah. so cheesy, like incredibly I think lame. He does crime better than anyone else right now in the game. He's always I think better than True Detective. Oh man, if he directed True, I mean, I like True Detective. But I think a lot of True Detective is inspired from Fincher type films. Oh, without a doubt, you I can definitely tell. It would probably be a big, big example. So I mean, I think a lot of that success stems from inspiration derived from uh, Fincher himself. So that's what I would think. But so I just like to dive in. So. The gist of Mindhunter pretty much is there is a FBI agent, Holden Ford, who is a part of the behavioral science unit. There's Bill Tench, and their role is to pretty much deconstruct and or decipher the minds of serial killers to figure out why they why they kill people, essentially. And season one revolves around like Ed Kemper. But season two of Revolve is pretty much all about the Atlanta child murders. But they also like pop in to see like Charles Manson, who Kyle even reminded me like has some of like some of the best dialogue in oh, yeah. human nature in a television show. Yeah, without a doubt. Because while uh, you can tell like his some of the way he like talks and some of his ideas are so erratic and like just almost conflicting. Uh, there are some valid points I felt like that were made in the, just that scene. And, uh, you know, it was during a time where Bill was going through struggles with his own family and worried about his own uh, possibility of his son being uh, kind of bred into this serial killer type um, being because he's been exposed to so much from Bill. But um, I think it definitely hit a nerve with with uh, more than just uh, Bill, I think it hits hits it with the audience. I would think so as well, just because I think, you know, you would have to wonder, like, the more you investigate these murders, the more, like, you look at members of your family and be like, are you potentially going to kill someone? Right, and plus, like, uh, Bill's son, I can't recall his name right now, do you remember what his name is? Um... I'm checking it right now. Let's call it Little Boy. I don't know. <laughs> little Boy. Little Boy. I know Nancy is, Nancy uh, leaves him. Doesn't Nancy just ends up just dipping out. Yeah. Well, Spoilers. Little Boy has the easiest job, though. What? He has the easiest job on the show. He has one line throughout the entire show. He does. Do you know what that line is? What? Did it die? When they're talking about... Um, I think Bill was talking about a fishing trip or something about the fish or something. Uh, yeah, he had one line throughout that entire show. Uh, the rest was pretty much just his interaction with his parents and, uh, you know, his awkward behavior around other kids. Uh, yeah. And so it's just like when it came to this, like this season, I feel like this season was portrayed so much like it, season one was amazing, but season two, I just feel like, somehow topped it which is really hard i feel like some crime dramas it just get shitty real fast yeah. like people say that about true detective season two i beg to differ but season one definitely was better than season two yeah i think season two there's just too many 
too many different events going on, too many characters. Uh, just made it too hard to follow for some people to really have any commitment to the show. Um, but yeah, I do think it is harder to do a crime drama these days just without falling into the cliches of uh, you know what the typical crime drama is. I feel like when it comes to crime dramas, I'm either into like super realistic or just outright outrageous, like The X Files, which technically I can I consider a sci-fi crime drama. Well, yeah, I, you like things in the extreme. You don't like it to be like right in the middle. Columbo's not bad. You don't like Colum- <laughs> I like Columbo. Columbo started it all. I know. If it wasn't for Columbo, Peter Falk. <laughs> you got me into Columbo. You were like, dude, this is my favorite. <laughs> I went to Kyle's dorm room once, and he was watching Columbo on his like on his bed, and I was like, "What are we watching? What's going on?" And I was like, "Damn, what's all the hubbub? <laughs> yeah, what's, what's all the what's all the what's all the big what's the big fuss in here?" Yeah, Columbo, he he started the cliche, I guess, but he was not cliche when he uh, when it first began. The thing is, Columbo, like I don't think Columbo was trying to be too serious. I think that whole series revolved around like the humor. That is a crime investigation, and most crime investigations are just, like, uh, not humorous. Sure, yeah. I mean, they can only get away with showing so much, too. So they almost had to be more clever in how they would go about showing one's demise, like, at the beginning of the show, and how it occurs. And then, like, the puzzle of Columbo discovering the whole uh, situation and who the killer is. I think it's always fascinating. And so, yeah. And so we're just going to jump into this. Um, so this revolves around the Atlanta child murders, which is like, I uh, I remember there was a podcast called uh, Lost and Van... Well, there's Lost and Vanished. They got Payne Lindsay did a whole podcast uh, ep- like series about the Atlanta child murders before this up ep- before like this series came out. Mm-hmm. And so um, when it comes to like, I, 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 I knew a decent amount about it. But it was, it was a lot different to see a uh, actual TV series done about it. And when you look at Wayne Williams, the guy that they're portraying, he looks exactly like the actual Wayne Williams murderer. Yeah, I noticed that on the show is that a lot of the the serial murderers that uh, they show on the show are um, actually pretty close in resemblance. Like when they have Dave Berkowitz, the son of Sam Killer? Yeah. Yeah, so either they have a great makeup person or they find just the perfect people for it i mean uh wayne williams the the guy who played wayne williams he did a i thought he did a really good job actually on the on the show i thought so too and i thought like he it was able to portray like what was his issue because wayne got excited off of all these crimes oh yeah he, he liked the publicity and it's right around that time where uh, like the serial killers they're all I mean, it's becoming almost, um, yeah, like a they're rock stars. Thing. Like, yeah, the rock stars. Like, it's in a, you know, it's in another light. Like, you don't even have to be a rock star to be a rock star. You can be a, a killer and still be a rock star. Like, it's like I remember when the Boston bombing happened. Zonor Zernayev literally was put on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Oh yeah, you know he was uh, really uh, latching on to that fifteen minutes of fame. I mean, why not? Dude, he has pe- girls write him letters. Like I've like I've done re- like I've like looked into like people that are like fans like are like in love with these k- people that kill people. He has like a fan club. 
them and the guys that committed Columbine. I'm like, yo, man, that's kind of weird. Oh, yeah, man. That's like very weird. Like y'all, people call me weird, but I like, I live with my parents and I like anime. But that, but writing a person that blew up a ton of people in Boston, you're attracted to that. That's pretty weird. Dude, Charles Manson, like, think of his cult followers. He got married in prison, didn't he? Um, I don't remember if he did. I think Richard, didn't Richard Ramirez? I don't R- remember, but, uh, which I don't even think he's covered in this show, this season, but. Which kind of bums me out, because I feel like that'd be really, yeah, okay, they hit to, um, uh, Den Raider, Dennis Raider, who was the BTK uh-huh. killer, but they have yet to, like, dive into that case well i i feel like it's kind of like that breaking bad uh those breaking bad moments you know how like at the beginning of breaking bad they would always show like all that uh, debris that fell from like the sky or whatever like they would have like little black and white like clips of that and then they would show the opening credits yeah it almost and then you like then it gets on with the show and eventually in what is it season three or whatever that you see the what actually happens there well maybe that's what they are doing with this um if there's a season three think, like the timeline of it like they're what is this the uh, late 70s early 80s yeah it's about to be the 80s like when was those atlanta murders i mean because but whenever those 1979 to 81 and dennis raider was in caught till what 2004 2005 is like when he's actually caught so that's so gonna be the interesting. That's that'd be really interesting if, like, you know, they covered, like, um, Ruby Ridge, Waco. I'm trying to think of other big cases that happened in between '81. But the FBI didn't have as much to do with Waco as ATF. Yeah, ATF. But it'd be really cool, like oh, 2009, 1911, bro. Shoot. Yeah. Like, there's a lot that happened between now and 2004. Yeah. Like, Bush became I president. I mean, it's also based off of a book, though, so it's, like, kind of whenever the book was published. The book kissed my ass. how far it just goes to. Well, we'll figure it out. I'll rewrite the book. I'll, I'll add a chapter or whatever. I can't remember when. when the, I want to say it was, like, the, the 90s. Sometime in the mid to late 90s is when the book was published, but I'm not 100% sure. So, I guess, uh, yeah. I mean, uh. I hear they are working on a season three, though. Yeah, but then they also fired the entire cast. No, they didn't fire them. What happened was is David Fincher voided their contracts because uh, he had other projects he was working on at the time, and um, I think a Netflix deal, like the, I think that was still kind of up in the air. I don't know for sure, but uh, I think as a a way to not keep them um, attached to it. He kind of like uh, allowed them to uh, void their contracts, well, but they with still the intention of coming back and doing a season three. Well, hopefully this pandemic ends within the next year, so we can actually have television in two twenty twenty one. Yeah, I guess we'll see. We're better. I hope twenty twenty one kicks ass because twenty twenty sucks ass. <laughs> I know, man. The only movie that will win the Oscars is Invisible Man. <laughs> that probably will. It will win every category. Unless Dune unless Dune comes out when it's supposed to come out and it shits on everything. Well, Tenet's gonna be coming out. Oh yeah, it comes out when I'm in uh when I'm away with the army. 
so I won't be surprised. Now it's coming out, uh, well, what, July? Uh, my summer training, remember? Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so Tenet will come out, but I, I still wonder, like, so what, is Tenet just going to win every category, like, best soundtrack, best screenplay? Is there going to yeah, be, like, three nominees? Birds of Praise, and I'll somehow get nominated for Best Picture of the Year. <laughs> uh, stop it. Come on. There's more hope for 2020, right? I, I hope so. So, um, back to the task at hand. So, when it came to them breaking down the case of the Atlanta child murders, how did you think of that compared to the last case? Uh, I thought it was more intriguing because I actually think, like, there's a, uh, you know, it's it's a good time for something like this. It kind of um, is relevant even today, you know, just the case uh, in and of itself, because it's obviously in a dilapidated uh, black community. And, uh, you know, they kind of feel like they're being forgotten about. And aren't they known as like the forgotten children, like the Atlanta murders, like all that, and kind of how the FBI or, or just the uh, Atlanta Police Department didn't uh, really do enough to look for these missing children. And so these uh, mothers, they're kind of left without any justice or any uh, any knowing of whatever happens. And then, and then uh, it gets just kind of, I mean, it's just kind of controversial because of uh, Holden's take on all of it and how, you know, through all the research, they kind of figure it's most likely a black man that would be the one that's uh the reason for these children missing that he is a, a predator that is and they're well it's also them blaming kkk and just i don't know the you know political advisors during that time so it's i, I just think it's got a relevant voice today i i think so as well i think it's a the show really knows how to like break down the understanding of like socioeconomic culture because i feel like some crime shows like murder they are bad yeah yeah that's tension kind of very like uh, almost an immature way of looking at something that's so you know that's so bad but also you know there's so many so many things going on there you know to discover about a person like why they would commit such a crime or like what goes on through their through their own heads and i feel like it's just such a i don't know just a simple way to look at something that's so complex yeah and i think so as well and i i i, I just think when it comes to this because like a crime show i actually really enjoy it's not superly it's not as well written as uh mindhunter is a law, law and order svu and i think the way that and i think you agree it's not like it's not groundbreaking but I think they just understand how to like make a show, get the topic out there, and just make it not as cheesy. But they also cover like a super broad amount of subjects, because it's like not necessarily murder; it's more sexual. Yeah, it's multiple crimes. Yeah. And they also have like cele- like different celebrities on there. A lot of actors too make their star on there, and I feel like they they do it well. CSI yeah. did it. I do. I cannot stand NCIS. I think NCIS is complete garbage. I don't know if I've ever actually watched NCIS. It's always on at work. late at night and so i'll catch a glimpse of it and the only reason is just because um of my background on the service 
I know people that technically work the Army's version of NCIS. It is nothing like that at all. I'm like, wow, they have a really nice office for a military institution. That can't be possible whatsoever. Yeah, it's like, do they even have any, like, military advisors that are, like, helping them out, like, giving them, like, uh, information? Or Bro, advice? it's like iCarly, but with cops and robbers. Yeah. And so, like, so they go they go throughout the investment of the case, and they start ruling out people. And that's when they start interviewing other, like, serial killers. And I just thought that was just really interesting how they did that as well, because... One of them is the Charles Manson is Charles Manson, who actually played Charles Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. And would you mind touching up on that guy? Because I know you were really you really enjoyed that segment with the dialogue he had. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's the same actor in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and uh, you know he was really convincing. Because I went back and actually watched some of the Charles Manson interviews, and like his mannerisms, uh, very good. Like he played it up to par I felt like like that's probably the best um, I would say the best uh, person I've seen that's been able to play Charles Manson wouldn't you say out of like all the Charles Manson movies that have come out like Helter Skelter just all these ridiculous ones like they don't even hold a candle to uh, you know his performance Um, and it is interesting there are some things he talks about that I like I've kind of like always wondered myself a little bit like, uh, you know, the line where he says you are a composite of somebody of what someone else wanted you to be, you know, like how, how many people do you think are out there that are, are that too? You know, how many of us are just composites of what someone else wanted us to be? I think, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no like truth within us. It's all just a, something we're playing out from someone else's ideology. I think when you pointed that out to me, it made me think a lot. And I'm like, damn, that's that's some real shit. Yeah. Like, I, I have to go back and watch that scene like every every once in a while because I, I just think it's a fascinating scene. It's so well played out. Uh, just, you know, and you kind of see, too, like from the beginning, Bill's kind of, um, you know, he's got his arms crossed, kind of, uh, you know, dismisses Charles Manson like right off the bat. Where uh, He's Holden, guarded. <laughs> yeah, he's guarded. Which was at him at a very, you know, uh, turbulent time in his life. So he's, uh, you he know, was he's a little more vulnerable. Vulnerability. And Holden, or not Bill Holden, uh, Holden uh, is the other one. And he looks like he's, like, fascinated. Like, he almost, like, looks up to Charles Manson. And it's interesting because Charles Manson is sitting up in his chair when he's talking to them. Almost like he is the... He's like the lecturer. He's like their students and he's the, exactly. the professor. And you can see why people would have listened to Charles Manson. So, I mean, you see just how, like, the charisma that he has, that he can hold people's attention like that. Even though his ideas, they're, they're all over the place. Because, I mean, in one sentence he'll be talking about how he's not, um, how he's not, like, the person that's supposed to be responsible for the decisions these people makes. Um, and yet he says he's the one that's like the, been the, the one that guided him all along because no one else would. So I don't know. It's a, there's a lot of like conflict within his own um, thoughts, but it's just fascinating to watch because he does like actually have some semblance of sanity that he, I mean, cause he was declared sane. So, but kind of see how he's able to uh, kind of mold and manipulate people 
Mm-hmm. And you saw that too. And I feel like, like <clears throat> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like first off, we, and his role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was literally less than like a minute long. I know. It, it, uh, it was kind of disappointing. I guess, um, I guess he wasn't trying to glorify Charles Manson. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what Quentin, Quentin Tarantino's in defeat. I don't know what he does with his free time. I mean, it, it worked for the movie because, I mean, he, he really is kind of just the background of the movie. Um, he's not in the, the front, the forefront, I guess. But, um, yeah, maybe he just didn't want him to really play that big of a role for his movie. He didn't want to give him that, you know, that attention. Because let's remember that when Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out, two other Charles Manson-themed movies came out. The Murder of Sharon Tate. And I don't remember what the other one, one. Oh no, our friend Charlie, which had a. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Wasn't there one like a ghost one? Yeah, like yeah, the ghost? Uh, yeah, my uh, the murder of Sharon Tate with Hillary Duff. That That's with Hillary freaking <laughs> Duff. Crazy to me. Dude, it's it was so bad. I've never. Oh, dude, it was bad. Like I watch a lot of bad movies and think they're good. This this was bad. Like, like bad, bad. I enjoyed the movie Spring Breakers. That's how like. Some, that's how bad my movie taste can get. It's entertaining. It wasn't even entertaining. Like, this wasn't even entertaining. It was just, just bad. And when you, uh... And, like, made it... Like, it, like, glorified Charles... Like, it, it was... It was, like, acting like Charles Manson was haunted by a ghost. I'm like, no, Charles Manson... Okay, I can't really say this definitively. Yeah, he, he has a... I mean, he has a following. He's always had a following. Um... I mean, I mean you, there's always people that, you know, he didn't actually commit the murders. So, I mean, there's always these apologists. Um, and whatever your take is, the fact of the matter is, he's a very interesting uh, character. Whether we um, agree <laughs> agree with his ideas or not, um, he's fascinating. And I think that's probably what the biggest uh, thing is, is in this show, is you see just his... His character, and, you know, his ability to uh, do you feel that people's perspectives. Do you feel like in the field, me and you both work in, that we are essentially Holden Ford at our job? Do you ever feel that <laughs> way when we talk to people? I'm like, yeah, but yeah, I mean, just in a very uh, you know much smaller, <laughs> much smaller, l- way. less impactful way. Yeah, yeah, we're really probably not impacting them quite as much. I mean. Do you have like three hour conversations with every patient that goes back through there? No. I mean, I don't. I think the longest conversation we've had is like an hour. And a lot of it, I mean, sometimes we can, but a lot of it is usually just kind of like having to play like a parent almost and like having like, okay, me- you gotta go back to your room. Like, or it's like a me, or like we're like a mediator almost. And like in this yeah. show, they're not a mediator. They're just, they're trying to learn. Like they're, they're, they're the yeah. student. They're, they're just trying to learn what makes them tick. Well, yeah, when you're learning, I mean, you're withholding your own judgment. It's like with the Ed Kemper episode. You have to, to, like, listen with open minds. It's like the Ed Kemper episode. Ed Kemper's like, or Ed Ed Kemper first season, he's like, do you want a chicken salad sandwich? He's, like, trying to make him feel comfortable in this situation. Like, he's a vicious murderer. And he's literally talking about murdering his mom. He's like, my mom got soused. (laughs) She said I was the reason why she hadn't had sexual intercourse in the past seven years. Yeah. 
I if I had a complaint of the show, it's that we didn't get much Edmund Kemper in season two. Yeah, no, we did not. We just didn't get enough. Uh, I feel like we didn't get enough interviews with. Uh, I feel like season one had a lot of good interviews. Uh, season two had like some good ones, but I do think it was more primarily focused on the uh, Atlanta murders, which was fun. I did like that part of it. I just would have liked to see more uh, killer interviews. And maybe for the future we'll see more of that, especially with it going like in like the upcoming season, like the se- like the like season. Hopefully, with it focusing on BTK, or maybe yeah. another killer. Because I'm trying to think of other prolific killers that exist between now and then. Unless like what they build a time machine, and investigate Jack the Ripper, or H H Holmes. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it'll go to that those lengths, but it'd be interesting. And I think, and I think that like at the very end, like when they started like to diagnose, like oh he wants the attention, like when they go to the bridge and they figure out, okay, if we block up this thing at this time, he'll have to drop it off at this bridge in this area because that's how the river flows for the bodies. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I thought that part was interesting how they they could diagnose his behavior because he wanted people to notice him, but they caught him like several times. Did he catch him more than once? Like, 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 take him in more than once? Um, I can't remember that part. I have to go back and watch. I know, uh, they interviewed him several times, didn't they? They interviewed him, but, like, they never, like, could book him. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't really get him on anything yet. So he was, but they wanted to keep interviewing him to see if, like, he would break or something. And how, how, I'm trying to remember, how did they get him, like, how did they eventually, like, ca- they caught him in the act, right? I'm trying to remember, because I don't remember. They caught, they saw him up on the bridge, um, like, what, three in the morning. Oh, and they found the they hairs. Heard, uh, something, like, like, hitting the water, like, splashing. And uh, they asked what, what he was doing or whatever. Uh, he was just kind of suspicious, like, around the area of where the bodies were being discovered. And uh, there was some, I thought, some DNA in his uncle's car or something. Yeah, it was the upholstery. I think it was the upholstery in his uncle's car was similar to the ones found on the bodies. And that's how they were able to book him. Because I know people in the community were, like, almost mad that they're blaming him for the crime. And it brings up socioeconomics a lot, too. Yeah. About, yeah, we're in a poor neighborhood. Things like this are going to happen because people don't care about us. Which, especially in today's political climate, things are wild. Oh yeah, for sure. Bro, they burnt down a Target. Dude, go look at uh, go look at Facebook and just look at any post right now over, you know what's been going on with the police and, um, you know, murdering and all that. Yeah, and so like it's it's a great it's it's like this is a very interesting time. There were oh 1995 by the way is when this book came out. 95. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it'll be interesting to see what they really do because they don't ever actually saw they BTK isn't caught by ninety five. He's not caught until ten years later on. And I think that's what I like about this show because I feel like some crime dramas the show is the crime is solved by the end of the episode. Yeah. And this this one kind of keeps uh, kind of keeps a little um, oh what's the word it kind of strings you along a little bit you know even like. <laughs> There's like some big crimes weren't solved till like years later. Dude, they didn't catch Theodore Kaczynski, the Unabomber, till like a decade later, and they caught him basically 
off of his brother turning him in. Yeah, they caught him in what ninety six. They caught him yeah nine no no ninety four, and because they were, like because his brother's wife was like, hey, this sounds like your brother Ted's. Uh, I mean Theo's writing. You're for the- yeah, that's right. Didn't they? Didn't they think the handwriting itself looked like his handwriting? It wasn't. Well, it wasn't the handwriting. It was the style because he used a typewriter. But he specifically uh-huh. with with Ted Kaczynski, he used this. He used Chicago Tribune pre nineteen sixty style of writing, like the his vernacular. Uh, I think maybe no. It was the his vernacular, like the way he oh, talked. Okay, yeah. Was specifically in the Chicago Tribune style of writing for, like that. It's like how we write. It's like how we write in an MLA, or yeah. however you write in whatever and what you how you wrote in business classes. I don't know. You, you've written, you've you've probably had to write more stylistic papers than me. I write angry text messages to you. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was a pretty smart guy though, man. He uh, he lived in a uh, didn't he live in like just a little like hut out in the middle of the woods? Mm-hmm. He lived in a he lived in like a little wood shack. Like that, he was off the freaking grid, so he's the perfect person to commit this crime. The thing like, the thing that blows me with Ted Kaczynski is that with with him, he lived in he lived in a tent he lived in a wood shack. He only time he ever really showered was when he rode his bike to a bus stop and he would ride the bus stop to somewhere in California to ship off the bombs. Yeah. He made the but bombs. Look different than when he looked in like most of the other time. Oh yeah. Because he slowly d- dove into his insanity, but he okay. even, he didn't plead insanity because he didn't want people to think he was crazy. He wanted to make sense with why he did what he did. I don't justify what he did whatsoever, but that's why he didn't plead insanity because they were trying to get him. Like, if you plead crazy, you won't you you won't go to jail. You just go to a psychiatric ward, and you won't be pleaded well, guilty. Uh, mental illness and intelligence are uh, high intelligence are very closely linked together. So, and I think you do, and you see you see that in Ed Kemper's character because like Ed Kemper, from what way he's portrayed is a very smart person in a way yeah i think he had a, a bad upbringing for, for sure upbringing, sure by his mom and yeah. that definitely kind of drove him and this series definitely brings up nurture versus nature a lot like you definitely start yeah. to because like i uh i briefly took a few education classes when i was in college with kyle with my freshman year and it brought up the idea of nurture versus nature and how it literally will affect how kids come up and um my mom's a teacher so i remember when i uh, assisted at a child care with my little understanding of nurture versus nature you can definitely tell which parents were more involved in their kids lives than some other kids and you definitely saw that in their behavior because they would just wild out and we'd be like hey don't do that and they just went well the, they would look at the teacher and be like nah and i'm like all right cool i don't <laughs> it's whatever's i don't care yeah well and i'm I mean, it's sad to say, but uh, some of those kids were there all day, every day with us. It's like they don't even have any time at home with their their parents. Like it's like completely random people that are the ones raising them up. Yeah, and I wonder if that like has like I wonder if that has some effect in 
the way a child is developed. And then you see the yeah. the kid, like the people in Mindhunter, their childhood, most of their childhoods just sound god-awful. Just yeah. like horrible. I think, uh, but I think there's just as much uh, to be said about kids that are maybe not necessarily abused, but kind of um, abandoned and left isolated and alienated. I think that kids also produce a very unhappy child, an unhappy uh, person. It's like in Looper. That's right. And then I saw it. Mom who would die for her son. <laughs> husband would die for, for his, his wife. <laughs> That's very true. Though. I mean, it's... it's There's I mean, a cause and effect to everything that people don't realize. You know, it's like being able to, you can't predict what happens to the future of your child, but you and definitely can try to steer them in a path where they end up a good person or at least don't end up killing people. Yeah. And I think we do take for granted the effect that we have on others and, uh, you know, the role we play in their lives. Like, even if it's somebody we don't see all the time, you never know if you're making a difference in their life or not. So it's, I don't know, I guess it's important to be mindful of that from time to time. It's like, try to be considerate of them. So like, as we, as we wrap this up, like, what are your final thoughts when it comes to like, where is this up there in crime dramas for you? Or just in TV in general? Yeah, like, it's, it's, like, this is hard because, um, Columbo. I mean, it's just so different. I feel like than any other crime dramas. Is it because it's not like Columbo? You know, it's, yeah, I mean, they don't show the person committing the murder. It's, I mean, it's definitely just, it's not that cookie cutter type of TV drama. Um, I did like season two more than season one. And, you know, I've always been a big fan of Fincher, so, man. Um, Which is, honestly, this is almost better than Fight Club, in my opinion. I think it's probably the most informative uh, crime drama out there. Uh, for entertainment value, I still think I would take like a True Detective, like the season one True Detective, um, maybe even the last season. Um, but as far as... Uh, for reality, this, this definitely hits Yeah, it. something that's like... This feels like more reality-based than any other TV show out there. Um, and just the attention to detail, the, the editing... Um, it's just all so well done. It's just hard to really pick uh, that many faults with it. For a Netflix show, this is definitely up there with one of the best Netflix shows that it has. Oh, like, Yeah, I mean, anything Fincher touches, I feel like it turns to gold. It's better than, it's for sure better than 13 Reasons Why. Yeah. And we don't need to give 13 Reasons Why as to why it is, but we just know it is. <laughs> I feel like Netflix really hit the ball with this. Netflix actually has some good crime dramas and TV shows. They really know how to do crime. Oh, they do. They, I mean, because they're going off of what people's interests are. Like they can see what people are watching on their, their programming. So people want crime, man. That's what they're going to give them. They want the gore. They want a gripping story. They want something that's going to leave them at the edge of their seats. (laughs) They're gonna be like zoinks, yikes! That's gonna get them into a frenzy. <laughs> Kyle's making fun of me because I use very I, my my vernacular at work is very unique. Is that so is get yourself up into a stir? You're gonna work yourself into a frenzy frenzy buster. 
Yeah, man, I I really enjoy the show. Like, if I want to learn something new that maybe I didn't uh, consider before, I could always go back and watch like the first two seasons of Mindhunter. And there's going to be something in there that I just maybe didn't quite follow along very closely with the idea of. But I feel like the content, it's, uh, it's, it's really there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I just feel like people should give it a chance. You know, if they find it slow paced, which I understand people are going to find it slow because they're not used to watching a crime drama like this. But it is a completely fascinating new look at crime drama. That's what you bring up. It's slow. That's what this show is. It's slow, but it's building. Some crime dramas, intensity, intensity, intensity. Crime is solved. Loving message. Here, it's like, Holden literally, like, spends an entire, like, they'll spend an entire, like, 20 minutes inside a car just talking. Yeah. And that's and that's as close to reality as it is. I mean, you, you have to be patient as, like, an investigator. You have to be willing to take the time to learn all these things. And to be able to come up with a plan of action and solving these, you know, I mean, it, it's, it took them how long to find the BTK killer? 30 years? They still haven't found Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's just, it's, it's so, um, it's just too much um, movie making these days where it's more just about um, and I think catching that- a killer in a matter of two hours. This is more than that. This is this, this is this getting to the depths of it, man. Yeah, and I think um I remember I was like like for when you bring up True Detective, I listened to a interview with Nick Pizzolatto, and he is like, I really wanted to make a TV show about two guys driving around talking in a car, but no one would ever make that. Sh- no one would ever want to help me make that show. So you throw murder into it. And now it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, Which true. is true. Like when you like think about True Detective, a lot of it's them having dialogue in a car, but. It is. And the same with this. It's either them sitting down, listening to someone talk. But it's like a philosophical type of uh, conversation a lot of times. I think so. so. It's, I think it's more about him wanting to basically discover new ideas with two guys talking in the car. That's more what it was about. That was maybe what he was really wanting to do. But he put a nice spin on it with the murder story. Yeah, and I, I, I for sure, and I, and I for sure enjoyed that, and that was a good explanation about, I think when it comes to a decent crime drama is, can you take out the murder part of it and still have a, still be interested in it? And yes. Yeah. But then there's Brooklyn Nine Nine, which is just funny to watch. Yeah, they actually make it crime funny almost, but. Uh, but yeah. yeah. I just think this this show is unlike any other show, and I really think. Uh, and I, I think a lot of people will kind of go in this direction more now. I hope so, to too. Put a new spin on some, you have to put a new spin on these, you know, cliche characters. I mean, it's always the jaded cop uh, trying to catch a serial killer. I kind of like, like the idea with them. They weren't really jaded. They were just like, Holden Ford isn't jaded. He's like, this is exciting to me. The most, I think... Uh, Bill is probably the one that's playing like kind of that cliche more than anyone. Oh, without think, a doubt. Uh, but I think they're kind of they're kind of playing it as like he's an idea of what you know the old view was of what a a man was, 
and Holgan's maybe kind of going into this new direction. And then you've also got Wendy Carr, who always kind of seems like she's the voice of reason. Um, and you kind of see how she's she has her own issues with uh, being able to uh, discover her own flaws, you know, with her relationship in season two. Um, so, I mean, it, it's just interesting dynamics that they've created on the show. Yeah, and... I, and I and I see that as well when it comes to that. Like Holden Ford definitely is the new age of law enforcement, where they like and you, and you bring it, like the FBI is like we want accountants, we want we don't want to, we want scientists, yeah. we want th- this and that, because they need to change the way crime is solved. It's like you have to think about back in the day. Most cops are ex-military dudes, fresh fresh from the war. Yeah. And they knew one thing: kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my dad, dude. My dad's a prime example of that he's kicking ass. You know what? You know what I think is funny. Like from season one, actually, it's kind of like where they start. You know, like it's kind of beginning this whole FBI profiling uh, thing, and uh, whole these teaching classes, and uh, you know they're like having to like do de-escalation techniques. And, oh yeah. And the guys are like, "Would you just call me? Call me a something like that?" Yeah. Uh, it's like they, they like start fighting. Like they have no idea how to de-escalate, and like that's just hilarious for me to like watch because I'm just thinking. Wow, these guys, these guys just—they're uh, really uh, angry about like a little name. I don't know. I just—I thought it was kind of just kind of ridiculous, just to see how they can overreact to like the littlest things, and then uh, and that's kind of what it was pushed back in the day. Like, if you're a man, you attack that person that that gave you a. That insulted you. Yeah, and it's like nowadays, like, hey, can we just talk about this so none of us get assault charges? Because that's the rational way to yeah. handle things. And, I, and and really, this show I think is looking more at the the person that said the that's like the name caller. They're looking at what would make them say such a thing or make them think such a thing. That's kind of what I feel like it dives into more, rather than just the person that's reacting to it. I I know I agree and like and that's what that's like, that's what made me think about that like we gotta think about wait a lot of cops like we work with a lot of older like guys that used to be cops and they bring up oh yeah a lot of the older generation cops are just a bunch of guys either coming back from Vietnam or Korea or World yeah. War Two and they could shoot well and they weren't afraid to beat the shit out of someone but when it came to like trying to de-escalate a situation it would literally lead to a fight oh yeah and nowadays like we're trying to move away from that because cameras exist. That's true. And you got to be aware, like, you can't punch your way to, you can't whoop someone's ass to get a confession, because that's how you coax a confession. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing it right now. Look at the George Floyd case. I mean, that's what Dude, you're seeing now. Yeah, like, we're, that, we're, that, cop's, that cop's life is ruined now, bro. Like, it's over. It's, it's over. But still, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a different time, it's a different era. Everyone's, you always got to be looking over your shoulder in a almost a paranoid way make sure you're doing the right thing I mean which I don't know if it's the healthiest thing either but it's uh you know it's kind of a coping thing it's how you're gonna deal with the what's uh the new age yeah for sure well yeah I guess that's it for this episode Rider Review's out